All right. I think, I hope that we are live. Um, so this has been a crazy, uh, you know, 72 hours. Uh, but we are here. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to talk for a second before we actually get rolling here. Um, just, just to kind of acknowledge uh, the situation that many of us are in. Um, and uh, a lot of us are fearful. And, you know, depending on how you feel about the virus, um, the coronavirus thing, um, it affects all of us. And the fear um, that we have might be of the virus itself. Um, we might be fearful of what's going to happen in the future, uh, just as far as employment or maybe uh, our kids being at home from school uh, just to keep... Uh, the virus from spreading, um, and having to deal with childcare, uh, just all those kinds of um, things that we're needing to handle, uh, it, it can create a lot of um, anxiety and fear. Uh, but I just want to encourage you right now uh, together uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a church, uh, as we're gathered together, uh, that God is here with us. Um, and no matter where we're at in life, no matter what's going on in your personal situation, uh, God um, can give you peace uh, if you abide with him. And that's his invitation to you today. And uh, I just want you to think about that uh, as we uh, worship together. And I want to invite you really to uh, sing these songs with us, even <laughs> as you're watching the screen, because uh, there's nobody in the there's not a congregation here. It's just everybody who's uh, awesome enough to show up, <laughs> Dave Biken over there, <laughs> and uh, some others that are here. Uh, but I want to thank you for showing up online. Um, you're just as much a part of this, and you are welcome. And I just want to thank you. You know, maybe you're, this is your first time uh, with us uh, at Polaris. Um, you know, want to thank you for, for uh, joining us. Uh, but let's think about the peace that Christ gives us, and uh, I'm going to start... Uh, today with a song where just again would invite you to sing along uh, or if that's just a little too awkward then just kind of you know think about the words and uh, let God uh, speak to your heart so let's pray God thank you for the peace that we have in you uh, that we can in the middle of whatever storm is in our lives uh, we can connect with your heart and rest to be uh, renewed to be comforted, uh, to be energized, uh, all those good things that we need, you, you have those for us. Uh, so help us today to think about those things and to uh, follow you with our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, worship with us. Hallelujah. 
song Your darkness fills the night It cannot hide the light Whom shall I fear? You crush the enemy Underneath my feet You are my sword and shield Though troubles linger still shall I fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever. He is a friend of
right. Let's pray. God, thank you for being on our side. Thank you, God, that we can trust in you to protect us, to guide us throughout our lives and through difficulties. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I invite Alex Poindexter up to the stage. Hello, everybody. I cannot believe that we pulled this off. <laughs> we have been working hard to provide you with the best online church possible since Thursday evening. And now we have people watching from as far away as northern Medina. I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, man, just like 15 minutes ago, I thought I was going to be sending a Facebook out kind of saying, sorry, it all fell apart and we can't do anything about it. And, uh, and here we are. So before I get going, I do have a very important announcement for the next couple of weeks. The camera adds 10 pounds. So just keep that in mind. And, and that's it right there. Camera adds it. So just, just be mindful of that. All right, so let me, um, let me transition to something fairly serious. The president yesterday uh, said that he would hope, he hoped that we would take today as a national day of prayer. And regardless of your opinions of where that came from, whether a good place or a bad place, God doesn't invite us to judge the motives of a person's heart. So this is a great opportunity for people all over the country and all over the world to turn to God. Now I'm going to read you, from. Uh, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture, one of the most useful passages in the Bible in everyday life. I turn to this one often, okay, and then we'll, we'll take a moment to pray along with all of America. Um, it's Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding, peace that doesn't even make sense, will guard your hearts and your minds. So God says, don't be afraid. Just talk with him, and at the very least, he will give you peace and an awareness of his presence. So let's do that right now. Father, we're presented with this challenge, and I know for many it represents a threat. And we pray that you would give us help from heaven, that you would bring out the best in humanity through this, that we would respond with wisdom and with peace and with confidence and trust in you and in each other. We pray that you would slow the spread, that somehow you would get glory through this moment, and that all of us would be aware of your presence as we navigate through this. We will get through this with your help, and we pray for your guidance in the coming months. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, this morning, what we're going to do is we're just going to continue our uh, series that we started in March called Love Poured Out. I'm going to take a look at some events that led up to the crucifixion and resurrection, events from the last week of Jesus' life. Sometimes that's called his passion. You read about it in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the, um, the biography of Jesus. And things got a little more amped up in that last week leading up to the crucifixion. There's a lot of uh, powerful moments that we can benefit from for our everyday life. And so uh, I'm going to take a look in a minute 
at a, at a kind of a affirmation that Jesus gives his followers his last night spent with them before he was arrested and separated from them. So it's very important advice. But I, I want to start with another passage from the Bible because I think in times of uncertainty and, and stress, and whether it's uncertainty over a virus or uncertainty over um, how the world, how Americans are going to react based on this virus, um, I think that it's important to return to who we are. Let's hear what the Bible announces about us. Sometimes that brings great peace, just remembering who we are and what is true about us and about God. So the book of James says that the Bible's like a mirror. Like we can go to the Bible like we go to a mirror to see what we look like. So let's do that right now. I'm going to start in Romans 12. Romans 12 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members or parts, and these parts do not all have the same function, so in Christ we are, though many, we, though many we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Each part belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, speaking truth, then tell it like it is. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, if it's encouragement, then give encouraging words. If it's giving, then be generous. If it's leading, then lead with diligence. And if it's to show mercy, then do so cheerfully. That's who we are. We all have gifts from God. We all have things God wants us to do. Now, I'm going to move to Ephesians 10, and this is a verse that we read all the time at Polaris. This is an important part of our Polaris culture. For we are God's workmanship. We are a work of God, created in Jesus for good works, that God prepared in advance for us to do. The Bible does not speak of a human being with no God-given purpose. The Bible does not speak of, it does not know of, any human being anywhere without unique purpose. There's a divine blueprint for every individual life. And if you can't point to those things that you're doing as a part of that blueprint, then it's simply because you haven't engaged with God yet to bring that about. It's still there. It's still his plan for your life. If you think you have ruined your life beyond use, if you think God has no use for you or doesn't want to use you, you obviously haven't read the Bible, and that's okay. I mean, everybody's got to start somewhere. But I want you to know that that's what the Bible is all about. Like That's what the Bible is, a book about how God uses people who would otherwise seem to be unusable. Moses was a murderer. Jacob was a liar. Jonah was a racist. Mary Magdalene was possessed. Jeremiah was suicidal. Elijah was suicidal and manic. Paul hated Christians. Uh, James and John were like bar fighters. The Bible is a book of people who had once ruined their lives and then God changes things and they do amazing things. I say this regularly because there, there are strands of, of even Christianity that like, like for some strands of Christianity, it's all about going to the Sunday morning obligation. Like you go through the rituals 
and then you're okay with God, and you wait to die to go to heaven. Then there are other strands of Christianity where you pray a prayer, and you're forgiven, and then you wait to die, and the rewards in heaven. And there's so many expressions of Christianity that just present uh, this world as, as heaven's waiting room. And then there are other people who believe that they've simply ruined their life beyond use and that if they were to step into a church, God would strike the whole place with lightning. But the Bible is a book that says God takes real people who have done all kinds of things in their past and he has a plan for even them and he uses them to do great things. I'm all for going to church on Sunday mornings and praying to to make Jesus a part of your life, but there's so much more. There are real people doing great things for God. There are real marriages getting fixed right now by God's grace. I I got a text at 6 o'clock this morning. No joke. 6 o'clock this morning, somebody texted me, God is doing amazing things in my marriage. Will you please call me? I want to talk you through what God's doing. And I know that there are people who, who have submitted their like finances, a financial mess. Just hear God take it. I'm going to honor you and, and help me. And, and it gets turned around. There are people uh, mentoring other people spiritually who they themselves were very far from God just a short time ago. And now they're helping other people grow. There are people who were the wildest at the neighborhood bonfire. And now they're inviting the whole neighborhood to church. Like God does that. He uses people to do things that he, and he's like, yeah, I saw it in you the whole time. You're the only one who didn't see it. I saw it the whole time. This can be a great life where we can really be used to do big things for God. And and that's where the peace and that's where the fulfillment comes from. All right, so this morning, I want to talk through one of the things that Jesus emphasized on one of the most intimate nights of his life. He's with his disciples just, um, just hours before he was to be arrested. So there's going to be separation there. And, and, and one of the elements of spiritual life that he wants to instill within them is an understanding of where spiritual success comes from. Um, if you want to do great things for God and with God, then how can you be successful? How can you achieve those things? So even if... You've never really thought about God's plan for your life, and you're just now hearing maybe God wants to do some things, or if you've walked with God for a long, long time, sometimes we need a reminder. We need a reminder of where power comes from, where transformation comes from, where personal uh, greatness comes from. If you want to do anything for God, this is where it all comes from. This is the formula right here. I've seen it. This is it. So, uh, this, is, this is from John 15. Here we go. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the keeper of the vineyard. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes to make it even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me or abide in me. Live in me. And I will remain in you. I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain or live in me. I am the vine and you are the branches, the one who remains in me, 
and I in him, the one who lives in me, abides in me, and I in him, will bear much fruit. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. So Jesus is standing with these men, and this is the fascinating part of all this. He's standing there with these men, and, and when, he, when, he, when he came into contact with them and called them alongside of him, just three years ago, they were, like, they, were, they were spiritual nobodies or anybodies. They were like the common man. They were, they were the blue collar. It was the fisherman, the tax collector. They didn't have impressive jobs. Uh, they didn't have impressive credentials or leadership or whatever. And, and, and then they start to walk with Jesus. They were headed down the path of like just a life of where every day is like the day it was before, just like it was for their parents and their parents before them. And then they started to walk with Jesus. And as they walked with him, they watched him transform lives. They watched him heal the sick and raise the dead. They watched him give sight to the blind. They watched him walk on water. They watched him speak value into the lowly, like worth, into society's castaways. They watched him stand up to the religious elite, giving justice and hope to the oppressed. It was invigorating. And as they walked closely with Jesus, these nobodies, they started to do what he was doing. They were transformed. They started to heal people. They started to pray for the sick and see people recover. They started to speak worth into people's lives and watch them light up with personal value and connection with God. God began to use those spiritual anybodies to do amazing things. That was a part of their journey with Jesus. In three years, they went from spiritual nobodies to world changers. That's the story of the Bible. That's the invitation for us. Now, <clears throat> they knew that it was all because of Jesus. Like, there are many places in the Bible where the disciples, uh, they tried to do something that they thought Jesus would do, and they, they, saw, but they, they saw Jesus do, but spiritually they weren't quite ready for it, and they made a mess. And then Jesus would calmly step in and you know, fix the problem, calm the storm, whatever. They knew where that came from. It was almost like a, a big brother mentality where, like, um, like I, didn't, I don't have any siblings, so I didn't have a big brother, but I understand that um, you, get, you, you get in a, a difficult situation on the playground... You call for your big brother, and, um, and he handles things. And, so, and, and maybe he'll even let you get it in the last punch, just for good measure. And then you run your mouth because you think you're tough. And, and uh, when things get out of hand, you just call for your big brother <clears throat> or sister. We believe in gender equality, even on the playground. Um, regardless, you know what I'm saying. Like they knew it was Jesus. But then the danger was that as they were separated from his physical presence, that they would forget where the power came from. And Jesus tells them, you see this vine? You see these branches? You see this fruit? You see the way the branches are connected to the vine and then they, have, they, they bear fruit? That's the way it works. That's the secret. That's the secret to living out God's plan for your life. That's the secret to living out your identity. That's the secret to successfully accomplishing everything that Ephesians and Romans talks about, those things that God has laid out for you in advance. It's all about staying connected with the vine, staying connected with Jesus. It's realizing that vine wants to produce fruit, 
It wants to produce great things. So God wants to use us to do great things, but he's going to get the credit for it. So we stay close to him. His power flows through our life, and we do great things for God. Now, there's this great story a couple times in the Gospels. Jesus sends out his disciples on ahead of him. He's like, you go by yourselves, go two by two, go to different places where I'm about to go. And you tell them, get ready. God's kingdom is here. God's way of life is here. And then you heal the sick. You raise the dead. You do the things that you've seen me doing. Can you imagine how terrifying that was? And then he says, oh, by the way, you'll be like sheep among wolves. You will be persecuted. There will be people looking to take advantage of you. There will be people who laugh at you and write you off and hassle you and, and, and heckle you and have you arrested. It's going to be dangerous out there, like the coronavirus is out there, and, and, and it's going to be hard to find toilet paper and stuff like that out there, all that scary stuff. But you go and you do that. Oh, and one more thing. He says, take nothing with you. This is classic Jesus. Take nothing with you. Don't take any extra money. Don't take any extra clothes. Don't plan a place to stay. And, and when, you're, when you're arrested and put in front of judges to decide your fate, don't pre-plan anything you're going to say. Just stand up and say what comes to you. Just let God flow through you. Like that's how Jesus rolled. What is he teaching them? He's teaching them that if they just stay near to God, He'll do the work through them when the time is right. If they just stay close to God, connected to the vine, it's going to work out. Before he left earth, Jesus wanted his followers to know that all that really matters, all that really matters is closeness with God, friendship with Jesus. If you're connected to the vine, everything will take care of itself. Now, let me tell you what I know. This is what I know and what I've seen. I helped Polaris get started in 1999. I've been here for a little over 20 years. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I just listen to God and try to do what he says. When I was in high school, I felt this this inner pool, I knew that God was saying, I want you in full-time ministry. I want you to lead a church. And I had no desire. I was scared to death of it. I didn't want to do it. And so I said no. Like, I've heard of people who wanted to do this. And that wasn't my experience. So I said no. And then, and then I said, God, I, I, it seems like I'm not going to get away from this calling. But just know that I'll listen to you and do what you say. And that's it. Don't expect me to fix anything on my own or start anything on my own or strategize my way through anything. And if you don't speak, I'm not going to do anything. And if you don't speak clearly and I mess up, it's your fault. God. And another thing, I don't speak in front of people. So I'm not going to do that either. I told God all of those things. Here's what I know. When I'm connected with God, God does some things. But that's all I got. When I'm connected with God, I have inner peace. There are many nights when I wake up at like 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm all just, you know, out of sorts and I'll go and I'll sit on our steps that kind of look out a window over the neighborhood and like I'm like, you know, all, all curled up in a ball and, um, and just talk with God. 
and he gives me peace. And sometimes I can transfer that peace onto other people. Sandy Jenkins, part of Polaris for a long, long time now, um, she, had, she told me just this past week, she showed me a little note card that she had written down from seven years ago. See, back then, um, seven, eight years ago, whatever, a lot of pastors were doing their 2020 vision, which was their way of saying, in seven years, this is where I want my church to be. And I was, you know, feeling the pressure, I guess, to do something like that. And I said, okay. And, and she wrote down two things on the card. Here's my 2020 vision. That we listen to God and are obedient and that everyone at Polaris knows that that's what we do. That was the 2020 vision. And, and, and so it's like Sandy herself is, is a great example of being connected to the vine because like 20 years ago, she was, she was like a, a dainty diva. And she may still be a little bit, but that dainty diva now goes to homeless tent cities in Akron and Cleveland to take them resources, uh, food, and to love them. And they know her, and they look forward to seeing her. This, this teeny little woman goes into these tent cities, and she's known through Northeastern Ohio's homeless community as a representative of Jesus. She takes Jesus to them to the least of these. She would have never thought she could have done that 20 years ago, but God said, I know what I have set aside for you. You're a work in progress, Sandy, and I'm going to get you there. And through being connected with the vine, here she is doing incredible legacy stuff for God as the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's available for all of us. I could go on for hours. I don't care who you are. You get connected with Jesus and you walk with him and you listen to his heart and his voice. And if you're obedient, God's going to do some, he's going to get you aligned with who you're meant to be. And you're going to do some great things because you're connected with the vine. It's a promise for you, no matter how badly you have messed up your life today. So I'm going to close. Let me just say this as, as, as clear and as simply as I can. <clears throat> Jesus used this moment during his last week to tell his disciples, his followers, that the most important thing we'll ever need to know, no matter how far we stray from God, the most important thing we'll ever need to know, no matter how big the challenge in front of us, the most important thing is that we stay connected with Jesus. Here's what that means first. First, Jesus paid the price for everything that separates us from God. We can connect with God because Jesus paid the price. On the cross, he took our death penalty for us. He took our death penalty for us. So there's nothing between us and God. God doesn't want us to feel like we have to earn anything. There's just freedom in our friendship with God because of Jesus. Secondly, he gives us this wisdom through his teaching. And when we live out his teachings, when we become familiar and live out his teachings and his examples, we gain peace and inner strength. And our legacy begins to build because we begin to, make, we begin to make an impact immediately. And finally, if you take time every day to spend with Jesus, just to be still in his presence, you'll soon find that to be the most transformational moments of your day. I promise. Who would have thought that just sitting still, sitting still in the presence of God could be so transformational? could go so far to centering our soul and giving us peace and helping us make sense of everything. Great things will come from that.
And more than anything else, that is who you were designed to be. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for having, for calling us your workmanship, for claiming us. I can't believe you claim me. So thanks for having a blueprint for each of us. And, and we want to bring before you and confess to you so many things we've done to, to, to pull us away and, and to, to remain at a distance from you. And we're going to rely on your forgiveness for that and, and, and accept the forgiveness that you've offered us through Jesus. And, and right now, we just want to sit connected in your presence, and we pray for all the benefits of sitting connected to the vine. We pray for the hope and peace that that brings, for the calibration that that brings our soul. And I pray that you would speak to everyone watching today, everyone who will watch, and even those who aren't watching and give them a sense of your presence and a sense of your dream for their life. We pray again for our nation and for the world that we would see you and your desire for us in what goes on in the coming months. But mainly we just sit in your presence right now, receiving who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen.
makes me God, thank you for your presence that is with us no matter where we are physically in the world. Uh, Thank you for your presence. Thank you that we can abide uh, with you to to be in your presence. Uh, And we know that that's where the source of ultimate comfort, ultimate peace, uh, ultimate strength, that's where it's from. It's from you, your presence. So help us, God, uh, as we go throughout the next couple of weeks and months, Uh, as a church, as a community, uh, as Christians, as a country, uh, as a world. Um, Help us to stay safe, and I pray that people that don't know the hope uh, that you bring, that they would uh, be able to come to know you. Um, Thank you for this time that we've had together, Uh, and we uh, just want to continue to worship as we uh, finish up and uh, throughout the rest of this week. Help us to follow you with our lives and to worship and to abide with you. Uh, It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. Stay healthy, everybody. Have a great week.